1: In the delightful Netflix series Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the entire main cast of the equally delightful 2010 film Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is back to voice the characters they played in that movie. It's a brand new story that focuses on Ramona, voiced by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, as she renegotiates her failed relationships with her seven evil exes. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR.
2: But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent, when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot, on It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A, but on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script— It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.
1: Joining me today is NPR producer Mallory Yu. Welcome back, Mallory. Hey, Glenn. Also with us is Vulture TV critic Roxana Haddadi. Hey, Roxana. Hello, hello. Let's do this. Scott Pilgrim takes off, reunites the cast of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, including Chris Evans, Jason Schwartzman, Aubrey Plaza, Kieran Culkin, and more, including Anna Kendrick for like three lines. <laughs> it starts off in the same way that the movie and the comic it's based on did. Scott Pilgrim, voiced by Michael Cera, is a dim bulb young Torontonian who might be a terrible musician. The jury's still out on that. He falls in love with Ramona, voiced by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's a Netflix. Del- Delivery person, which tips you off that this is a period piece, the period being the aughts. She's got seven evil exes, and to win her hand, Scott must defeat them all in a series of fights. But in this animated series, something happens in Scott's very first fight that shifts the show's focus to Ramona, who reconnects with each of her evil exes to uncover a mystery. And to just, like, grow as a person in the bargain. Scott Pilgrim Takes Off was developed and co-written by Ben David Grabinski and Brian Lee O'Malley. O'Malley wrote and illustrated the original Scott Pilgrim comic series. It's the product of the inventive Japanese anime studio Science Saru. All eight episodes are streaming now on Netflix. Mallory, kick us off.
2: So I'm going to admit that when I first heard about this, I assumed it was just going to be a normal adaptation of the Scott Pilgrim comics. And
1: me too. Yeah.
2: As a notable Scott Pilgrim, the character hater, Mm -hmm. I was like, why is this necessary in life? And. After watching these last eight episodes, I am so happy to say that it is necessary in life, because honestly, justice for Knives. Justice yeah. for Knives. Um, <laughs> I really loved these episodes, and I'm sure that's partly my like millennial nostalgia and just love for the cast, which... Everyone is just having so much fun that you can't help but kind of fall in love again with these characters. Mm-hmm. I love that it's like truly an anime adaptation of a beloved comic because. It exists more alongside and almost in answer to the source material. Mm-hmm. I love the direct references to some of the comics' more problematic elements. Ahem, Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim dating a teen. Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, I- I'm sorry. Did you say he's dating a high schooler?
0: Dating may be a strong word. Our intel says they've never kissed, but they did hold hands once. Does Ramona
1: know? He hasn't told her yet. Wow. Wow. And I thought we were evil.
2: I also love how much it's like deeply aware of why people love this series. And like any good anime, it's going to give fans and shippers exactly what they want.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. When we revisited this uh, movie a while back, several folks on the panel were like, yeah, Scott Pilgrim is the least interesting thing about Scott Pilgrim. (laughs) I mean, and it does get awfully meta, awfully quick. And I didn't find that annoying, and we'll get to the reasons why. But first, Roxana, what you think?
0: I am a Scott Pilgrim apologist, I guess, because mm-hmm. I enjoy Scott, and I really like the film. It's probably still my favorite Edgar Wright film. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I have not read the comics. So this was mm-hmm. like a real foray into a different sort of storyline, which I really liked, mm-hmm. a different sort of visual format, And yeah, there's the millennial nostalgia of it all, but I also am a big fan of filmmakers and writers revisiting something from the past with a different Mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. I just, I have a real fondness for the willingness to dive back into the work and look at maybe what you did, not necessarily wrong, but just doing something differently. So there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of that, to your point, Glenn, that's just baked into this as like a meta frame within a frame, movie Uh within a TV series within a movie. (laughs) Uh There are a lot of layers. And I just felt really charmed by it all. And the voices are so nice to hear. It's also so fun to have someone like Kieran Culkin, who has popped off since because of Succession, sort of bringing a new amount of wryness and sarcasm, mm-hmm. everything just really works. And I'm amazed that they got who they did, that everyone was willing to come back to this and sort of take another look at it. It just shows, I think, a real like confidence in what the film was and also just an enthusiasm for coming back
1: with a shifted perspective. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you both know this is not just revisiting. This is not laurel resting. This is re-examining. I mean, I mm-hmm. have, I dug this so much. I, it's great being back in this world, and it's even greater having this world's sensibilities tweaked to address some of the just not malicious, but thoughtless early aughts BS that oh, yeah. uh, you've mentioned, the the angry lesbian trope and the, the treatment of Knives Chow or the mistreatment of Knives Chow. Right. I also like that this is about Ramona because, yes. yes, she is still kind of defined by her relationship with Scott, but now she's defined in her relationship the way characters in a romance are defined by each other. She gets to do some soul searching. She gets to make mm-hmm. choices. She gets to be something other than the object because of course the whole notion of, of fighting enemies to win the princess's hand, yes. Yes, it's intentional. It's very Nintendo. It's very Mario. I get that. But you can't build a narrative around that in 2023 without coming off kind of hack. I do love how insufferably meta things get. They just keep yes. going and going and going. <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing. It's just one extended wink. Hmm. Do you guys have a character you were most happy to spend a bit more time with? Because I have one.
2: I mean, man, Wallace Wells has always been like a standout character. Kieran Culkin version of wallace wells particularly like lives in my mind rent free here like getting to see the character be really really gay and have Mm -hmm. like his own gay romance not romance um on set fling Mm -hmm. if you will Mm -hmm. was really fun and just Getting to hear more of, you know, some of his, like, quips, um, noted heterosexual, mm-hmm. like, that's just going to become part of my lexicon <laughs> from now on.
1: I decided the only thing better than being me was getting paid to be me. Why be Wallace Wells for free? Uh, you also get layers of Roman Roy in there. You can't help but not. I mean, like, it's mm-hmm. it's post-succession Kieran Culkin giving that voice. How about you, Roxana?
0: I don't know if I had a favorite going in, but I think I was really charmed by the sort of new-ish versions of Matthew Patel Uh and Mm -hmm. of Lucas Lee. Because I think those were a couple of characters that had, like, very short shrift in the movie adaptation. You don't get a lot of them within that. Mm -hmm. But here, with the Matthew Patel character, there's a lot more centering and a lot Mm -hmm. more personality building, which I really
1: liked. Yep. Me? The main character? But not a lot of people know this, but I majored in theater in college.
0: And from an animation perspective, because Lucas Lee is the skateboarder character, there are these beautiful extended skateboarding animated sequences, which are just so thrilling to watch and take such good use of the animated
1: medium. The unlimited budget. Yeah. yeah.
0: They also use one of my favorite... Punk songs for one of these sequences. (laughs) So, just again, like this is sort of engineered, I think, to hit us on a lot of millennial sort of levels. But I think it also just uses all of the possibilities of an animated world to do that.
2: Yeah. And I love the meta ness of having an anime studio adapt Scott Pilgrim because of Brian Lee O'Malley's like deep love and nerd fandom for anime and manga. And I think like much of what people loved so much about the comics and about the movie was how much he referenced Mm -hmm. anime in like a Western, in Western media. And so for me, it was really neat to kind of see almost the inverse of that, a Japanese studio you know, making references to Western animation and also how Western audiences like interact and engage with anime itself. Like there's a really fun sort of anime in the anime that I really enjoyed seeing. And that made me laugh a lot.
1: Yeah, the press materials do make a big thing of that. They do say, like, this is not an American cartoon in anime style, a la, I guess, the the obvious thing is Avatar The Last Airbender. This Mm -hmm. is a true anime from an anime studio using an anime director, which I think makes a big difference. It is a shift in sensibility that kind of goes with the shift in sensibility narratively that's happening. I'll tell you who I love seeing again, and I didn't expect to because I didn't really remember him, was Young Neil.
2: Young young Neil Neil is voiced
1: by Johnny Simmons, who is way down on this cast list. This cast list is just (laughs) – it's hard to believe. But, you know, so he's not – he's way down on the call sheet. But his vibe, which I am too old to understand if it's lovable idiot or lovable stoner, (laughs) why not both? Maybe it's both. (laughs) There's so much big anime energy in this show, and he is just kind of there at the center, uh, being young Neil. Okay, there I am,
0: right, at my roommate's bandmate's funeral, thinking,
1: "Wow, oh, like, what if I can die?
0: And just when I found out I'm a cinephile? Like <laughs>
1: and I, I just love him. I just love him.
0: Something that I found really enjoyable and really smart is that all the characters stay pretty grounded. There Uh are absurd action sequences and things that happen that alter people's identities and lives. But I think everyone is still recognizably the characters that were introduced in the movie and are still recognizably driven by the same motivations. Yes. I think it's not that Scott has become an entirely different person or that Gideon Graves has become an entirely different person, (laughs) right? Uh Like they are still... Uh Enemies, I think there's just sort of a deepening of like 15 years later, 20 years later, when you look back on things that you did, are you still committed to how you let something play out? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And just from a silly point of view, I love that they show Ramona bleaching her hair and dyeing it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like there are these little visual cues that unite yep. each episode. Yeah. And that's what's really fun about TV, right? And I'm sure about like the comics versions of these too—that there are just these little moments that we return to
2: that help ground us in the story.
1: Yeah, that's a great point.
2: And it like really kind of says something about her character too. It's not just like repetition for repetition's sake. It really like shows you something about Ramona's like emotional journey through the show, which mm-hmm. is lovely. I would say that as an anime lover. I would recommend going back and watching the Japanese subtitled version. Um that's mm-hmm. always fun for me to kind of do. I love going back and forth between like the sub and dub version. Mm-hmm. With this one I watched the first episode in Japanese and it was really fun to hear how they cast all these characters that I know and have such affinity for already. Like their Scott Pilgrim voice is fantastic. It's, he's like pitch perfect, the mm-hmm. Japanese version of Michael Sarah. It's it's uncanny and weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: like you,
1: Mallory, I went into thinking this we're just going to get a straight adaptation of the comics. I was looking forward to it because I love the comics, but I was like, uh, well, then... What are we doing here? And I am so delighted that this show, as it goes on in ways we won't spoil, becomes about exactly that, about reassessment, about looking Mm -hmm. back and recognizing that there are things you can change, that you have choices in life, that you are not locked into anything. It is such, apart from just being charming, this show is hopeful as hell. And I think that's another reason why I dug it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, we all have heart eyes over here for the the show. We want to know what you think about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Find us at Facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Mallory, you, Roxana Haddadi, thank you both so much for being here.
2: Thank you. Always awesome to be here.
1: This episode was produced by Liz Metzger and edited by Jessica Reedy and Mike Katziff. Audio engineering was performed by Rebecca Brown, and Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Numbers that explain the economy. We love them at the Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three.
2: So my indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs.
1: I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to the Indicator podcast from NPR.
0: On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity don't begin or end with the news cycle. That's because we know
2: race and identity impact every person and influence every story. We're getting into all of it with new voices each week on the Code Switch podcast from NPR.